welcome. It's David and Brent again this week. Thanks for joining us. It's September the 3rd. In this week's newsletter, Brent, we mentioned this week had a full moon, which is the, the corn moon. In October, we're going to have the harvest moon, and it's going to be two moons that month. So it'll be a blue moon at the end of the month, and the blue moon is going to fall on Halloween. So more moon facts than you cared to know. You should read that article in our newsletter this week. But welcome to September. Thanks for joining us. Brent, we were discussing just a minute ago, the USDA has new net farm income estimates, and you had some thoughts about those. Do you want to share those with us? Haven't read them very carefully yet. I just heard some kind of hot takes on the radio and seen a couple headlines about it, touting kind of increases in net farm income. And I, I guess my point was that's all kind of level one analysis, in my opinion. Everybody just kind of is going to the headline number and not really digging into what's actually changing it. We're going to dig into that um, in the next week, and we'll have a more thorough analysis of, you know, actually what changed. Because honestly, it seems pretty hard to believe that 2020 is a good year for anybody. The other thing that's obvious is there's a lot of government farm program or government program payments being made in 2020. And if you've been following what we were saying, I think we have a question as to whether it was going to get over 40 billion. So we set the over under at 40 billion. People seem surprised that they're up to what, 36 now? 37 something. uh, Yeah. And I don't, you know, we weren't really that surprised at all because you know, it was pretty obvious they were going to be really large. And, and I wouldn't doubt that that number grows in the next months as they're kind of talking about, you know, how they're going to spend that other $16 billion already. And a lot of focus right now on the income statement, uh, on the income sheet. And I think you and I are going to spend a lot of time also looking at the balance sheet. The balance sheet's where we're seeing the stress really accumulate or show up. So take a look at that. We're going to spend Again, it's going to take us some time. We're not breaking the news here. We're trying to break down the news. That's going to be what we work on next week. Brent, I wanted to share a little bit on uh, soybeans. So we've updated several stories this week about soybean exports. The first one was the pace of trade with China here in 2020. And that's been dismal. No new developments there. But where we have seen excitement is on early soybean export sales. And you can go read the article. There's a lot of charts in here. This is what you've been seeing on Twitter a lot. And so we sized it up. And it's no secret. And what we're calling early here is sales that are made before the marketing year begins. In September, so the marketing year has begun for the 2020-2021 year, happy new year. And we looked at how many sales had been booked before the marketing year began. So this is for soybeans. There's about 800 plus million bushels pre-sold. And that's up considerably from 300 million the year before, uh, 600 million two and three years ago. 800 million bushels gets us close to record highs. It's not earth shattering, but it's, it's highs, right? This is a good development. And when you dig into the data more, which we did in the article, China is buying significantly more. Again, they're at or near historic highs, not earth shattering, but at or near historic highs. And I guess the other part here is non-China buyers of soybeans are still coming in. And so there's a very good story here developing on marketing year 2020, 2021. Now, of course, we've talked a lot about this, not to beat the horse some more, but we've talked about this a lot. Don't confuse this optimistic story with things are going to get better because the USDA already priced a bunch of this in. And so we're just trying to help you think about all of the implications here and help you sort through some of the noise that's out there. Of the data that you just presented, 
the soybean sales to China are really encouraging because just looking at that, it's kind of staggering to look at how little of our soybean crop they bought the last two years. We said early on, there's a lot of hand-wringing about all the phase one agreement. They're never going to hit the targets. All this stuff can't happen. That may be true, but it kind of lost sight of the fact that if we just move off of the really bad situation we're in, it's going to be good news. Don't let this kind of, well, they'll never get to phase one target. Well, yeah, they may not, but if they get even close or even in the ballpark, I think it's a much better outcome than we've had for a while. Now is kind of the time to make soybean sales before Brazil or South America gets rolling, but I think pretty encouraging news. And I, you haven't done corn yet, but I, I think it will be interesting to look at the corn numbers too. You know, a lot of news stories right now coming out about China. I've seen two or three in the last week kind of implying that China's run out of corn. Well, we have to kind of be cautious about that because we just don't know for sure what the situation is. But the evidence would suggest they are buying more corn than they have for a while. So I told David it's you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, but you have no idea whether we're talking about a little campfire or a, a pretty big fire burning. I think that's that's the question right now is how much really do they need? And if, you know, you're going to dig into something, that would be an interesting thing to look into. I know we've made this point a lot, but again, don't get disappointed if China doesn't reach the phase one trade agreement. The data are starting to show they're moving in a positive direction and it's we're getting out of the trade war rut. That's a huge development. Why did Brent mention sales are going to start to pick up? Well, between October, November, and December, on average, before the trade war, China purchased about 57% of all their soybeans. And then you add another 24% of their purchases are in January and February. And you pretty much take up 80 plus percent of China's purchases are going to happen October through February. And so that's a really important time. That's why we weren't surprised that the soybean situation lagged going through the summer. We wrote about that quite a bit in February because of the seasonality of soybean purchases. Well, we're now exiting that dry phase and we're going back in. So we really have to monitor and measure that. Other points on China and trade. I read the new book on trade superpower showdown. I read a, wrote a review. I thought it was a really good book. I guess one of the lessons I took away from this is I spent a whole lot of time putting off reading it because I thought, oh, I've been keeping up with this. I know a lot about it. But when I actually read the story, I learned a lot. You kind of spend a lot of your time reading the headlines, but you sort of miss the big themes and the big stories. And so I would encourage you to take a chance to read that book or at least read my my thoughts and excerpts from that because uh, I learned a lot from this. One line I'm going to share is from Chief Negotiator Lighthouser. He says, anyone who thinks one deal is going to change how China operates is beyond crazy. And that's that's what he's saying about today. One of my takeaways is that the trade story with China has been going on for decades and it's going to continue for a long time in the future. I had seen another review of that somewhere else and it, it sounds like a really good book and just talking from David to kind of get some of the backstory on what was really going on as opposed to the headlines that we see, which sometimes can be very, get you going down the wrong path mentally, I think you know, really useful to have someone kind of dig into this and actually document what, what was actually going on and, and interview a lot of people. I, I learned a lot just reading the one review of, of the book and I haven't read it yet, but uh, it's on my list. I spent a lot of time reading headlines 
and I get freaked out when I would hear so-and-so from the U.S. side says this. And after I read the book, it helps put into context sort of that person's thinking and where they sit in the whole trade negotiations. And there's one particular character who, when I see the name trending on Twitter or I see the headline, I just sort of chuckle to myself because I know that it's 90% chance that this is going to just blow over. I'm going to tell you who it is. It's in the memo, but it's just very interesting to like put some depth behind the characters that we see. And sometimes it's a revolving cast of characters, but to put some depth behind them. Just for uh, readers, that's a, what we are thinking about memo in the deeper dive category titled The Trade War and the Superpower Showdown. All right, we're going to switch gears in our last few minutes. September the 11th next week is the big WASD report. We have two forecast network questions out there. Go update your forecasts. A lot's going to happen here in the next week. So Keep an eye on that. Of course, just some highlights. The drought has apparently spread. There was a big storm in Iowa, and things might be looking less optimistic for that crop. At least, at least that's what Twitter would lead us to believe. So go update your forecast and see what uh, see what your thoughts are. But before we get there, Brent and I are going to play a little game here. And the reason why we think the forecast network in this game called Laden Thinks is so important is point estimates are really difficult for us as individuals to use. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And so in this game we're going to play, uh, there's three players. There's Brent and I and the Lawden. And the Lawden is the person who Brent and I are trying to anticipate what they're going to say. And the Lawden here, it's a modified version of the game. It's a poker game, right? It's, it's, an out, it's a side bet, at, usually a side bet at a poker game. Yeah. Lawden thinks, you can Google it. We're going to write some stuff about it more. But Lawden thinks is a really important game. Comes out of the poker world. Not only are you trying to be the one who gets closest to what the Lawden thinks the answer is, maybe it could be the miles to Jupiter or how many piano players are in New York City. It's not that, that the Lawden is right or wrong. It's can you guess closest to what the Lawden thinks is the answer? And so Lawden was the name of the first player of the game. So the Lawden here is the USDA. Usually the Lawden would be in the room, but they're not here. So Brent and I are going to try to see who can get closest to what the USDA thinks the corn crop size is for this report. And the way it's going to work is Brent's going to give a number and then I'm either going to respond with a bigger number or I'm going to call the under and that'll be the line. And then when the USDA issues the report, if it's a at or above the number, that's the line, that person gets it. If it falls the under, whoever called the under gets it. Each person's turn, they either pick a bigger number or they pick the under. Here's the other interesting part about it is it's really not only are we trying to guess the line, but we also try to guess each other. So this will be a little fun to see how it plays out. So for those keeping score at home, the USDA's, we'll do corn force first. And Brent, the USDA did 181.8 last time. So I'll let you have the opening bid here. I'll bid 177. 178. 178 and a half. Can we go halves? We'll do halves. Halves are the, we'll, we'll, we'll stick to halves. That'll be, see, we're, we're playing on the fly here. I'll take 179. 179 and a half. I'll take the under. Okay. That's interesting. Just for reference, David, I had 179.5 written on my little deal right here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so darn, I didn't do a very good job of uh, pushing Brent over his, his mark. <laughs> The problem is I was going to take 180. I just didn't want 180. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's right up at the point where it's going to be interesting. I think your your data, David, 
Now I'm now I'm getting buyer's regret. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens at auctions. <laughs> I have buyer's regret. So I think your data would suggest the yield changes that you've seen from the August report to the September report would suggest that you might have a slight advantage in this uh, little wager. What did I get to? 179. Oh half. my gosh. <laughs> Maybe I extracted all the value from him I could get. You, you, you did. <laughs> if you would have taken 179.5, I would have taken under, I think. But so the takeaway is going to be a very interesting. It's going to be a very interesting report, and I think so. Obviously, our consensus is that the corn yield has probably shrunk. Although now I've got everything from 179 and up. <laughs> So, I mean, the idea here is we drew the line 2.3 bushels under the last one. And if you look at the changes in the historic forecast or the air of the August forecast, it's a big number. So we're quibbling over two bushels. A five bushel change isn't out of the ballpark of possibilities both ways, right? Uh, up and down. So I guess it's interesting that we've, we're both thinking it's going to come down. And uh, <laughs> so we'll see. We could be way out of the line. So. Well, the, the question is, I do think it will shrink. The question is whether they're going to shrink it that much. Now I'm feeling better about my number again. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I these things are hard to predict, but I do believe, you know, that the consensus is that the, the yield has shrunk in the last month. How much and how much USD, which again is, of course, the thing. It's, it's not what even the final number is. It's what this number is going to be. Interesting. So we'll see. So go update your forecasts on the Forecast Network. You can play Laden Thinks with your um, friends and family and coworkers. Um, but again, get away from using point estimates. I find a lot of people on Twitter said, oh, I think the number is going to be 173. Well, that's, that can be helpful if it's a, some sort of survey or collected data or forecast. But if we're just pulling numbers out of thin air, that's not helpful for our individual thinking. That doesn't help you. So play some of these games to help sharpen your thinking. We're going to wrap it up here. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks.